Hey, Cosmic Flames. Welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I'm your host, Angel. And I'm your other host, Brandon. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. Uh, Because we have absolutely no idea how anything makes sense anymore at all. No, and you're probably feeling somewhat the same. Right. But hopefully you're doing it safe and sound. Hopefully you're finding the grace and the joy and the fun, if there's fun to be had. And that you're as healthy as can be. Yeah. Maybe you're cooking up lots of fresh meals, taking lots of baths, good cuddles with whatever animal you might be living with. How dare you? <laughs> oh, you're talking about Noche. I did talk about Noche. <laughs> I actually was reading something this week that was talking about how in like ancient times, uh, there were certain cultures that thought dogs were sacred and they would let dogs kind of roam freely in different like healing temples. And that when dogs came to like lick certain people that were in the healing temples, the priests assumed that it was like a sign of healing. Aww. That like dogs licking you is actually like transmission of spiritual healing. Oh, that's beautiful. So I now feel even more empowered to let Noche lick me for as long as he wants when he wants to lick me. All right. As long as you wash your face afterwards. I mean, sometimes I do. (laughs) Uh, Who are you? Oh, right. (laughs) Let's introduce ourselves. I am Brandon Alter. I am a healer. I am a tarot reader and a tarot teacher. I'm an astrologer and a mystic and a writer and a light worker, and another human being on this planet in these transformative and evolutionary times. Damn. Who you? Uh, I'm Angel Lopez. I am a writer and a producer and an astrologer, a teacher, a healer, a queeler. No, we you will. <laughs> That just sounds so terrible. Because I'm a queer healer. We know what it means. Well, they might not have listened to the other episode where I deemed it. That's fair. Uh, but yeah, that's me in a nutshell. I'm also your husband. You are my husband. And this is our show. And it was just your birthday yesterday. It was my birthday yesterday. You had a quarantine birthday. I did. There was a Zoom party. Yeah, that was cute. Your sister used a courier to send you a gift with a balloon <laughs> that flew away. Oh, yeah. It flew away instantly. Yeah, that happy birthday balloon did not want to be here. It's okay. I saw it. No, that's good. <laughs> May it have flown to somebody else whose birthday it was. Yeah, or brought some joy to somebody somewhere. Who knows? But yeah, it was my birthday yesterday, which I had gone into this birthday season with this feeling of, I really want to gather the people I love, have some sort of party. It'd been a couple of years since I'd really felt that way. And um, obviously I was thwarted. But in some ways, do you also gather together all your important people? I gathered some, yeah, which was nice. I mean, you obviously can't get everybody onto a Zoom or else it's just going to be like... A shit show. Crazy. Yeah. But I was able to gather some folks. And what was really, really nice about it was that I was able to include people who don't live in L.A. where we live. Right. You know, the fact that I was able to, like, have friends from New York and, um, you know, we had our friend who's in Ohio on there right now. And just, like, different, you know, people was, like, so lovely. Um that made it really extra special because obviously if I'd had a party, I wouldn't have been able to see those people. Totally. But Zoom parties are hard because if you're naturally an extrovert, then you're fine. But if you're an introvert, it's very easy to just kind of be a voyeur in the Zoom. Yeah. And it's funny because I'm actually an introvert that is disguised as an extrovert. And in those Zoom parties, I can really feel like my desire to like not step up, but to like shrink back. Is that why you usually end up in a wig? Well, no, those were just those, <laughs> I mean, kind of. Just so you can get yourself through it? Well, like, no. Out of character I, element? Yeah, totally. Or just because I'm like, commi- not committing, just because I'm contributing in some way. Right. Because I feel like you really, I feel like Zoom works best when there's some sort of like curation or some sort of like leader figure that's like, and now you speak, and now you speak, and now you speak, because... It's hard, I think, for more than like three people to really engage on Zoom in a way that feels organic. Yeah, but we did end the evening with like, I want to say it was like seven people involved. And I felt like that worked. That was pretty yeah, that well. Was, that was good. 
So maybe yeah. it's like maybe like 10 and then any more than 10, you need someone kind of curating how it goes. Well, yeah, because then you get like a pretty broad dynamic of people and not everyone engages with each other in the same way. So, yeah, it becomes a little more difficult with all the different personalities. It's so funny because I think this current situation we're all experiencing is really going to make it a universal experience, like all the different types of Zoom personalities. <laughs> like, I'm sure there's like the personality that everyone's experienced on Zoom who is totally unaware of themselves and they just like hog the screen all the time because there's no polite way to shut somebody up on Zoom. Like no. if somebody's just talking and talking and talking, you just kind of have to wait until there's a break and then like redirect the energy. So I guess if you are the host, you can mute them. Well, I thought about doing that, but I was like, that is so shady. So I just let her keep talking. Uh, but anyhow, all in all, it was a lovely birthday and you were the sweetest. You baked me the most delicious cake that I can't wait to eat more of tonight. And um, yeah, you you really helped me make it special because it was obviously weird. Yeah, but I felt like you also connected to the essence of your birthday like you did a lot of writing you did a lot of meditating yeah i, I mean i think out it's, <laughs> yeah you did yeah i got physical i mean i think it's great to celebrate your birthday in a big party but i think it's also great to celebrate your birthday with spirit and with your own heart and really connect to like the essence of you you know well and if you think about it as an aries i did really like find my way to connecting to all the sort of aries traits you know i was creative i was active i was a leader yeah totally i kind of embodied all of my main traits with my taurus i found times to rest and luxuriate and some food and then my cancer was happy because we did it all from home and there were some tears oh yeah there were tears for sure but like happy tears yeah, it was super moving. Like, obviously, it's like such an emotional time right now that I'm finding myself like just so touched by every message that comes through from people just to know that people are thinking of you reaching out. Um, you know, yeah, it was really lovely to see. And Honestly, all the gazers, too, who reached out just like over Instagram and, you know, I found that really touching. So thank you all. People love you. Well, people, I love them. People feel you. <laughs> well, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to touch and be touched. <laughs> okay. Be careful. <laughs> we don't need a lawsuit on our hands. We're who just wants to touch started. me next? Okay. Calm down. So what was like the highlight of your birthday? Well, I guess... I don't know. It's really hard to pin one thing down because there were all, so many beautiful moments. But I do think on some level the highlight was me waking up and writing. Mm. I wrote this, it was almost like an essay on my connection to fear. And I guess this is just kind of me like segueing into a check-in or expanding on what was already a check-in yeah, for me. Yeah, girl, this was already a check-in. <laughs> uh, but I, uh, yeah, it was really like tapping into just my, you know, obviously this situation has brought up a lot of my fears and anxieties and I've really been doing my best to try to just move toward them, embrace them, understand them, make peace with them. And I really connected a lot of my anxiety, my fear, you know, around this just from my childhood and, and growing up in what for me was a pretty fearful household. Not entirely because, you know, I was like living consistently under this like hand of fear, but, you know, my dad was a cop and he, as I think I've mentioned before, but, you know, he he definitely created this like environment of fear yeah and i was thinking back on specifically this the chair and i may have talked to you about this but how you know every night there was almost this like ritual where we had to like we put a chair at the door where we would like prop this chair up to kind of like underneath the door handle to like keep anyone from being able to open it and it was like this ritual that we had to all partake in or, or at least like that occurred every single night before the last person went to bed. And I think just even like 
Uh, that is news to me. Oh, really? I've never talked to you <laughs> yeah, about that? No, I've never heard about the chair ritual. Yeah. That explains a lot. So I think like just constantly having this like nightly experience of like, you know, lock yourself away, you know, keep the bad out because it, it will try to get in if you don't. And I remembered, I was thinking back on it and remembered one night where I was the last one up and I was supposed to do the chair and I forgot and just like how much shit I got the next morning. So it was interesting. I just kind of like reminisced on that and kind of put it all down into sort of like a creative piece of writing. And it was really, um, I don't know. It was just like a nice, interesting way to start my day off. I love that. It just made me think about um, a story that I was told about Michael Harner, who was the guy that kind of created the foundation for shamanic studies. Uh And somebody asked him a question about whether or not they should be like afraid of like dark entities or like dangerous spirits like when they were doing certain types of shamanic work Uh and he thought about it for a second and he said well i guess if you're worried about it you should be worried about it Hmm. which to me i interpret as we do create our reality and sometimes our fear can attract to us the things that we're afraid of now i'm not saying that like bad things happen to people who deserve it or who like focus on it because I don't think that's true. I think there is a sense of randomness in the universe. But I do believe that your fear can sometimes open you up. It creates just... Um, well, it's energetic, right? Yeah. Like well, your energy attracts, attracts light. So yeah. I think that, you know, what's interesting to me is just that like, Right before you go to bed, this whole chair ritual was literally like bringing up all of your own worst fears, right? Like, who's going to be behind the door? Like, why do you have to put the chair there in the first place? And then you go to bed. Right. So it's like <laughs> you literally go into the invisible world, into the dream time, which we're going to talk about later in the episode. Mm-hmm. We're going to deep dive into dreams. And you're doing so from a fear-based perspective. Yeah. As opposed to like right before you go to bed, like thinking about the angels or like cake or you know what i mean like putting yourself in a place of feeling protected it's just it's it's an interesting thing to become aware of you know yeah no i think that is and that is i think on some level why when i go to bed now i always try to like you know have like thoughts of gratitude or you know i always try to steer my mind i mean of course these past couple weeks it's been a little more challenging but i'm working on it working it out um how are you baby What a loaded question, right? In these times, how are you? I mean, I really like want to break it down. How am I? Break it down. Um, I mean, how long has it been? Like, has it only been two weeks? Is that it? Not even? It's hard to say because everybody's quarantine kind of started on a different day. Yeah, but for us, it's been, yeah, just like, it's been two weeks and a day. Two weeks and a day since we got back from Joshua Tree. Mm Mm-hmm. Which was kind of like a pre-quarantine anyways, right? Or two days. We got back on a Saturday. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been like two weeks and two days. Yeah. So that first week, I think I was just like in pure adrenaline, Capricorn moon survival mode, you know, and just like, and thriving kind of like, because I was in a crisis and I was like maneuvering and operating well and had a lot to focus on because we had our Tarot and Cosmos class getting off the ground. So there was a lot of work on that end. And then this last week, I just kind of like hit the wall and the shock wore off and the adrenaline kind of seeped out of my system. And I got really angry and I yelled at some ladies on the street who jogged right by me, did not do the six feet of social distancing, um, which got me really angry. And I yelled at them. I yelled, six feet, people are dying. And then when they did not seem to respond to that, I just screamed, selfish. And then one of them, just one of them, and they didn't even have earbuds in, just like turned her head around and looked at me like, like I was the crazy person, you know, like I was crazy for insisting that your space be honored, that we be honoring the mandate that's come through. And I do think that that is a really weird thing about this whole situation is like the question, like, who is crazy? You know, like, are the crazy ones the ones that are like following every rule and wiping down the boxes and the fruit before you use it? 
or are the crazy ones the ones that are like still congregating in parks and pretending like this isn't real and who knows you know like crazy is objective right crazy is subjective depending on what point of view you're looking at it from you know and so and then you know like there's been some depression and i think honestly there's just been exhaustion and i do believe that this situation is an invitation from spirit to turn inwards for all of us to shed some skins and some layers that we have been walking around with for a really long time and get to more of the core of who we are. I think that we have been moving so fast for so many years. And I don't just mean like us personally, but I mean like the human race, the last hundred years have been a sprint and we need some time to catch up to ourselves. And I think that that's part of the invitation at this time for those that are um, blessed to be able to do that. Certainly people on the front lines, our grocery store workers and our medical professionals, our hearts and our gratitude goes out to you. But I just don't feel like I've been able to do that. I don't feel like I've been able to slow down and turn in. And I just feel like a top that's been picking up speed. And I really want to unwind and get quiet and shuffle off all of these layers of the need to be productive and the need to make money and the need to prove myself and get into something truer and quieter and in a lot of ways more real. But that takes some work to to get there and it takes some discipline and dedication. So um, I'm hoping that over the next couple days and weeks, I'll be able to reorganize my life in such a way to accommodate that, you know? I'm kind of thinking like my number one priority is to make sure that, you know, I'm prepared for class on Tuesday night. And besides teaching that class, like, that's my only job right now. Yeah, beyond keeping yourself healthy and... Well, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. that's part of keeping myself healthy. Right. Is like slowing down, taking naps, being in our little backyard and listening to the birds, like reading books, like maybe doing some creativity because it feels good. Yeah. But I've just been so busy and also like I need to set some phone rules with myself because it's just so easy to get sucked in there and that's just like such a leech of energy so I don't know I'm playing around with like 11 to 12 4 to 5 and 7 to 8 maybe and like that's it like out like three hours a day when I can be on my phone and everything else it's like they'll just have to wait till then yeah I don't know so that's how I am um I'm journeying every day. I'm in relationship with spirit in a deeper and deeper way every day and have had some amazing experiences and synchronicities, but it is not easy for me right now at this time. Um, and even with all of my spiritual skills and all of the practices, it you know it's hard to get out of bed in the morning. And that's just the truth of it, you know? But yeah. then, like, by the time the day get, you know, but then it's, like, it's hard to go to bed at night because I'm, like, oh, I'm finally, like, feeling good. I'm finally, like, feeling, you know, like I've shackled off whatever weight I woke up with, you know? And then it, like, starts all over again. Yeah. So I don't have any answers. I just have questions. So how I'm, the how is on a moment-to-moment -moment basis and trying not to control what I can't control and being honest with myself about what's really important. And right now, like being connected externally is not that important to me right now. And being connected internally and finding some, some real stillness and some real quiet and some real grace, that's what's most important to me right now. Yeah, I completely feel that and support it immensely. And I'm going to take you up on that for myself as well. I'm just continuing to do that too. Yeah. And it's so important. It is, yeah. Well, and I think what you said, too, about just, like, people being, you know, not everyone has this opportunity, right? Some people are on the front lines of this in one way or another. Um, in this moment, you and I are, like, you know, blessed with being in our safe space and being healthy and having this platform to speak and and I think we who can do the deeper dive inwards 
in some ways have a responsibility to do so for those that can't at yeah. this time. Like, I don't want to waste this time. And I don't mean that, like, I got to write a book right. or I got to be productive. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't want to fritter it away in anxiety or fear. I want to be able to really drop in. Yeah. Get into the cocoon. Yeah. Or whatever it is, the spirit canoe. The spirit canoe. Speaking of spirit canoe, should we just hop into one and like a sailing canoe like a sailing yacht canoe that maybe is like off the coast of greece <laughs> yeah let's take this a whole other direction shall we because even though we don't want to fritter away this opportunity we haven't been saying no to our beloved reality tv <laughs> that's the the thing that energizes us in the evening <laughs> oh my gosh i have to say there is some medicine to it i've been really grateful for it so let's dive into this episode's Dose of reality. So we were not watching Below Deck Sailing Yacht. No, we've just been letting it pile up. Until the quarantine happened. And then we were like, let's just, let's just dive in. And I'm so glad we did. Yeah. We binged, what, like seven episodes? We did. Well, not all in one night. I think it no, was no, like no. over like three nights. Yeah. <laughs> Lest you get the wrong impression, okay? We watched seven episodes of Shaws of Sunset in a row, but that was a dark night. Oh, it was a blessed night. <laughs> <laughs> and you know it. Oh, my God. I had not watched Shaws of Sunset for years because it was so low vibration, but something about seeing all of that drama at this moment really soothed me. Like, it was just so out of body in the best. It was like fucking drugs. I got to be honest with you. <laughs> like, I was just like, let me just keep watching these hot messes because it is making me forget the tremendous pressure we are all under right now. Yeah. And I had been watching for the last couple seasons, but it was easy to just drop right in, right? I mean... Yes, because it is the lowest common denominator. It's just a soap opera, and I, I love it. Yeah. Um, um, but Below Deck Sailing Yacht is something more. It's more elevated than that, wouldn't you say? I mean, it's a <laughs> little more elevated. No, but it's, it's a trashy soap it's opera. It's a soap at opera. Sea. At sea. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, yeah, and a little probably like less well put together than the other below decks not necessarily production wise because it's still like the same production level yeah but... the production level is actually maybe even higher because yeah. consider how much smaller that sailing yacht is oh gosh and right. how they maneuver those cameras and the sound equipment i mean it must be such a shit show especially when they go into sailing mode and the whole thing starts to like tip to the side i mean literally. i never want to go on a on a sailing yacht no you would not do well on it a does not yacht. look fun i mean to me it kind of looked like fun i would be into it a girl Give me just like a fucking boat any day. I'll just take a regular old yacht. <laughs> just give me a motor. I'm I would love to watch a below deck that's about like below deck camera crew where like <laughs> it's about the the crew that actually makes it happen, you know, because it must be fascinating. All right. So we know that you are such a fan of the other chief stews, Kate and Hannah. Yes. Now we have Jenna Ugh. added to the Pantheon. Ugh. Jenna is a terrible chief stew for reality <laughs> television. And here's why. Why? Because the chief stew is like the center square. Like the chief stew is the queen, the the series regular. Like in a lot of ways, like she is the protagonist, you know? And what Kate and Hannah had going for them was a beautiful self-awareness of the role they were playing and how they played it. Do you think they always had that, though? Or can you go back to their very first seasons? Because I never watched either of their first seasons. I came on kind of late. So is no. Jenna just kind of giving first season version of herself, you think? Maybe. Like, maybe Jenna's thinking that she's serving, like, maybe she's self-producing, you know? Mm -hmm. Thinking that she's giving us a certain version of herself that will translate well on camera. But to me, she just seems like she has no self-awareness. Whereas, like, Hannah and Kate had tremendous self-awareness from the jump. Like, oh, okay. they just, I don't know if they have Capricorn moons or they just have Capricorn placements or, or Virgo placements, but, like, there was a sense that, like, they knew who they were in the story and how they were furthering the telling of it. Got it. Yeah. Whereas Jenna just seems like, I don't know. There's just a, 
she's just like a Disney villainess, and there's nothing fun about how two-dimensional she is. Like, she's just like a stereotypical B-I-T-C-H. Oh. And she's, like, proud of it, you know? Yeah. Like, she's not good to the second stew and the third stew. She's, like, got her panties all tied up because she's, like, trying to bone the chef. Oh, yeah. Real and bad. Really, really bad. Yeah. And I just don't think, yeah, I just bad. don't think there's any self-awareness. I mean, it's, like, fun to watch, but it's not that fun to watch because she's not, like, clever, you know? Like, there aren't, like, snappy one-liners. There isn't, like, a elevation of the role. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's very pedestrian, you know? It's like the community theater production of Below Deck, whereas Ooh. we're used to, like, the Broadway productions. Well, and that's true, because even, like, the captain, who should be kind of the other protagonist, or not so much the protagonist, but at least some sort of, like, overarching... Glenn? Yeah, like, Glenn is just not... He's like a little, like, sea nymph. Yeah, he doesn't have the, like, gravitas that, like, Captain Lee or Captain Sandy has, you know? No. Like, like if something goes wrong, you're not, like, necessarily, like, wondering, like, how Glenn's going to handle it. Uh, not well. <laughs> no, I mean, he handled that one. There was an episode where there was this, like, shit show party that went on, and he, like, oh got up and These, like, New Jersey bros yeah. who drank so much alcohol, I can't even believe that they're still alive today. And then invited these women on board and just let them get wasted. It was chaos. But Glenn got up and at least tried to settle it, but I didn't feel like the personality that you get from... You maybe know, the they're others. just green. Yeah, maybe they're just green. Maybe there'll be a second season and they'll be a little bit more polished. But even when that one charter guest group invited Captain Glenn to dinner and he like didn't even know how to make small talk at the dinner table. Well, he was trying to flirt with that one woman. Well, but he was so uncomfortable. Yeah. You know? Well, we recommend it. If you're looking for something just like, you know, frothy to dive into, if you haven't yet, by all means, give it a shot. The yacht is gorgeous. It is. I've never wanted to go to Greece so badly. That is very true. It looks incredible. I'm desperate for that. Can we do like a spiritual gaze retreat in Greece? Maybe. Well, we talked about doing our, some anniversary party in Greece. Oh, I still right. have that dream. I had that vision. Yes. And I'm still holding that vision oh really God, tightly. Yeah, I had that five-year vision. I think about it every time I, we watch that show. But we had a child in that vision, you know. Girl. Well, there, was a little, there was a little boy with dark hair. Oh, well, maybe there'll be a little boy at the restaurant where we throw our party. Okay. <laughs> you shady queen. Maybe uh, Noche will get his wish and become a real boy. But I don't know. Who commented recently? They were like, I love when you can see... And they were talking about Noche, like when a dog had a past life as a human and they oh, still yeah. have traces of that. And I was like, that is very profound. It is. And very true. As Noche sighs heavily when we said that. He's like, oh, y'all have no idea. And then just because we haven't addressed it, really, RuPaul's Drag Race is back. It's back. And it's been on a few weeks now. It's controversial. It's very controversial, y'all. Is everyone watching? Do you know the controversy? Uh, her name is Sherry Pie. And she... Is a sexual predator. Is a sexual predator. And got a bunch of these young men to like do a bunch of terrible things on camera for her own pleasure and pretended to be someone she wasn't yeah and she but we should say he he yes whatever his I real mean, name man, is yes. i don't know and he and he's not old he's like 27 28 yeah he posed as a casting director and would have people actors send him videos of them in various stages of undress and also i think doing some like explicit sexual things a couple of them did i think yeah anyway so this all came out after the filming but apparently sherry pie did very well because she did know how to play her disney villainess to the oh, nth degree totally you know she is a total manipulator and that served her well in this drag competition but now, in hindsight, they've gone back and re-edited these episodes to basically edit her out. Yeah, I actually just saw a thing today because I guess they haven't edited her out of the international version. So I saw a side-by-side -side comparison. And it was so interesting. There were, like, sections where you would see, like, in the team competitions where Sherry Pie's team would be going on. And, like, the segment that we saw here in the U.S. would end and the international version continues on with, like, countless more like talking heads of sherry pie so was definitely very much like a more of a like main cast member than is being portrayed as now but yeah the show has like this whole like card at the opening that 
you know, says that kind of the having the producers distance themselves from Sherry and that Sherry won't be allowed to participate in the finale. And they've given all sorts of money to the Trevor Foundation to make mm-hmm. up for the money they gave her when she won challenges. Yeah. The Trevor Project. But, yes, the Trevor Project. But enough about Sherry. Who are your who are your queens right now? Oh, I love Heidi and Closet. She is just, she's got that star power. Like yeah. she is so likable. You just love her. She's so funny. I adore her. Um, yeah. She gives me Shangela vibes. Like when Shangela, like not as polished, you know, like when you first met Shangela, it was like, she's not that, po- not as polished, but like there's star quality there. Mm. She's almost like a cartoon character. Totally. And I really like that about her. Um, Gigi Good, of course, is like, yeah fabulous she's gorgeous the clothes are amazing and she's got great personality who are you loving well i love both of them too i'd say heidi and Gigi are right up there and then i love jada well she's so gorgeous yeah stunning funny um yeah i just like really love her essence she just feels like regal and who can't you stand uh i mean no tino shade but you know, I I don't I won't cry tears when Britta exits the show. Alti Allshade, I can't wait for Britta to exit this program. <laughs> she is driving me crazy. Yeah, I don't. The, Just such an oversized ego and not yeah. really the talent to back it up. Yeah, I'm I think not she's vibing. somebody who's good at one thing and has been doing that one thing for so long and gotten so much praise for that one thing that she thinks she's so amazing all around, but she's really not. Yeah, I'm not like I'm not living for her. But, you know, I think they're all really talented and, like, bring some, like, amazing looks to the runway. So I'm excited to see where it goes. And also just excited to see how they handle the finale if since one of the Since one of the finale contestants is a sexual predator that's not allowed to compete and we're also all in a quarantine lockdown. Yeah, so I'll be <laughs> so curious to see. Happen? Yeah, like, are we going to be able to, like, film a finale before the season ends? We'll, we're all going to be staying tuned. Who knows? Who knows, y'all? It's a wild, <laughs> wild dream. Um, well, um, speaking of dreams. Speaking of dreams, let's just uh, let's dive in, shall we, everybody? Put on your aquatic gear because it's time for this episode's Deep, Deep Dive. dive. So today, we wanted to talk about dreams from a spiritual perspective, and particularly from a shamanic perspective. And this was actually a question that came in our first Tarot and Cosmos class, and we didn't get a chance to address this question because it's a really big question, because dreams are a really big subject. And frankly, there's no one way to view dreams, even shamanically, Every culture had its own way of looking what dreams meant. And there's all sorts of more psychological Western analysis of dreams from a Jungian perspective. Um, And we just kind of wanted to explore all of that today. So this episode is for Lizzie Grayson. So hello, Lizzie. Hey, girl. This is for you, um, a spiritual gaze exploration of dreams. So maybe this will blow your mind. Maybe it won't. From a shamanic perspective, this is a dream. Like, this is a dream we are having right now. Everything is a dream. Is this that RuPaul interlude? Oh my God, what is, yeah, right? (laughs) RuPaul goes, uh, how do you know this isn't a dream you're having? And if it were a dream, would that make it any less real? It's also the thing that whenever we get in, sometimes we get into Brandon's car and it's like the first song that will just come up when we plug his phone into the car. Yeah, so. I think it's because it's called like an interlude. So like alphabetically, like my Bluetooth thing. just like always puts it on. I know it's so yeah. wild. In so like the movie of my life, that's very significant. It is. It's a soundtrack to our to our lives. So one theory about dreams is that the dream world and the spirit world are the same world. There's no difference. And the aboriginals of Australia called it the dream time and that everything took place in the dream time, and that we were one aspect of the dream time. You might have also heard that, you know, we are all part of the dream that the spirit of this planet Earth is dreaming, and that each of our lives is one of her many dreams. 
And so our dreams are the little dreams that are populating her bigger dream. It's like inception with dreams within dreams within dreams. So when you journey during the day and go to the spirit world, you are having an active dream, you know? But when you go to sleep at night, you are kind of being led where you need to go. So shamanically speaking, spirits produce dreams. Spirits give us the dreams, and sometimes they are the dreams themselves. You have a dream, and it's your encounter with a particular spirit. And these can be any type of spirit, from a big helping spirit to a suffering being, um, which is sometimes why we might have bad dreams. Because when we go to sleep, our dreams are not necessarily pure, because we are entering into the vast psychic soup of the dreamscape. And I've had experiences sometimes where I've been like staying at an Airbnb or in a hotel, and I've had a dream that was absolutely given to me by the spirit of, of, a, of what we would call a ghost, you know? But there are other bad dreams or nightmares that are actually given to us by our helping spirits as a healing or as a warning. Nightmares... Um, can actually be very beneficial. It could even be coming from your own soul. Um, but it could also be manifested by non-helping spirits that, you know, are suffering and they have really no power over putting that suffering on you. So do all dreams fit into one of those categories? So absolutely, there are dreams that are just our subconscious mind's way of processing information um, you know, there's the belief that we dream as a way to explore multiple realities, different dimensions of how things can go. We're just trying to work things out. So those smaller dreams are, you know, they're not what we might consider a big dream or a power dream. And I bet each and every one of you at some point in your life has had one of these big dreams and it may not have been like a big thing took place in that dream, but you felt the power of it. You felt that it was really important, and you can probably still remember it to this day. And these are the sorts of dreams that are gifts. These are the sorts of dreams that help put us on our path. They're almost like connecting the invisible world to where we are now. Because this is a dream, and I was told by a spirit that I work with who works only in dreams, essentially the angel of dreams— told me that the reason why we have such difficulty with the dream world is because we are the furthest rung out. Mm. So we think ordinary reality where we're living, this is the center and the dream is very far away. But the truth is the dream is the center and we are very far away. We're like the last ring of Saturn and we're trying to understand what's happening in its core. And that's, I think, where the idea of dream time is trying to get at that most of what's happening is beyond our knowing and understanding because we're so far out. We're the lowest branch on the ladder or the tree. And so the dream world, which is also the same as the spirit world, is where we start to engage on a deep, meaningful level and how we can create change in this reality. So that's the difference between like the subconscious and the unconscious, right? Like you tap into both in dream time. Is yeah, what you're saying I would say you know like the subconscious or your unconscious is connected to you, you know. But then there's the collective unconscious, or what I call the superconscious, or what Jung called the superconscious. Right. What I would call the twelfth house, where we are <laughs> all strong. connected to everybody, and we can engage with the spirits of archetypes and these big energies that predate you know, human life as we know it. Right. And that's really where dreams are happening. So I just thought it would be kind of interesting to explore just like all the different sorts of dreams and what we can do with dreams. Um, because maybe you've never thought about actively engaging with your dreams in this way. Because maybe you've never thought about actively engaging with your dreams in this way. And anyone can do it because isn't it just so weird, like as a society that we sleep for like a third of the day, most of us, we have this whole life that happens in our dreams. All of these things happen to us and we just kind of like shove it to the side. Like we act like it's no big deal, you know, and yeah. that like whatever happens in waking reality is important 
And everything that happens in dreams is like, nah, isn't that isn't that weird? It's like a commercial, you know? Isn't that crazy? Uh, yeah. yeah. No, I crazy. think about that all the time. Yeah. Just like how strange that concept is. And, and why, like, I think I've said it to people before. I'm like, why aren't we talking about dreams more? Like, what the fuck's going on, everyone? So dreams can bring tremendous healing. And maybe you've had a healing dream. Maybe you've been suffering from an illness, mental, emotional, physical, spiritual. You had an encounter in a dream. You woke up and you felt healed in some way. Maybe you've thought, or you can think to set the intention to call in a healing dream for whatever issue you're dealing with. Um, dreams can bring power. Maybe you've had a dream that really gave you a sense of being more empowered in your life. Um, and dreams can even bring soul parts. It's not necessarily common. It's not happening every day. But maybe you've woken up and you felt more yourself and you've had memories that for many, many years were not available to you. You know, dreams can can bring us all of this because it's where we're least inhibited and most accessible to spirit. Dreams are such the perfect entry point to a spiritual practice, right? Like, because it's something we all share as an experience. And some people just brush them off as, oh, yeah, I had this crazy dream or it's just this thing that happens. You know, it's part of like our brain chemistry. Uh, but at the end of the day, I think a lot of people have had these sort of almost spiritual or psychic experiences with their dreams. And if you did just start to pay more attention to them in some way, it would be a really it, it's like they're an invitation into some sort of like deeper spiritual practice. Yeah, I think so. And this is just my personal belief. I don't know if it's true, but I think that because when we dream, we tap into the collective unconscious, our personal boundaries are a little bit thinner when we sleep. Mm -hmm. So that's why anything can reach us. And you got to pay attention to who you're inviting to sleep next to you. Right. Or just being aware of, like, for example, when we were staying at that Airbnb in North Carolina that felt a little creepy. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you remember, but like I was doing some serious protective ritual before we went to sleep mm -hmm. because I wanted to reinforce my my boundaries. And I just want to say, like, you don't need to be scared because the more connected you are to spirit, the more power filled you are, the stronger your boundaries are. And protection is really about being whole and hooked into our network of spiritual power. So even if it's just like I'm calling in my angels, I'm calling in my luminous ancestors, they can protect you when you sleep. I took a workshop that was all about dreams from a shamanic point of view. And it was a weekend workshop. And so at the end of the first day, we were asked that before we went to bed that night to ask for a healing dream for somebody else in the group. And I remember I like was super anxious before I went to sleep that night because I like didn't want to fuck it up, you know? <laughs> of course. And we weren't given a lot of more, you know, details now. We were just like told like, pay attention to like your dreams, you know? And I was like, and I would wake up every couple hours and be like, was that the healing dream? Was that the healing <laughs> dream? You know? And... I had this one dream, and it wasn't even that long. I just saw it. It was me walking in a city, and all of a sudden, there was this, like, huge shooting star that looked like an angel, and it just—it was just a, a flicker, but I felt the power of it, you know? And I knew that that was the healing dream. Wow. And then the next day, we literally were just going to draw names— out of a drum to know who our dream was for, which seems so random, but spirit works through randomness. And of course, the person whose name I pulled was wearing a t-shirt that had one of my power animals on it. And I shared the dream. And so we can get dreams for other people. We can get dreams for our time. And we can ask our dreams for help on particular projects, on a relationship. We can approach our dreams the way we would approach an oracle or the way we would approach a journey. And there are some shamanic practitioners who do not journey. They do all of their work in their dreams. So another practice that's interesting is to reenact certain bad dreams. So if you have a dream where, let's say, like your house burns down, mm -hmm. you might invite your friends over, and you might act out that dream. Because in acting it out, you stop it from coming true, because you've lived it. So there's also this idea that everything that happens in the dream world is is this power, this potency, these raw ingredients for something that might get cooked up in this reality. And so you can stop something bad from happening 
by preemptively acting it out in a way that you have some control over. So essentially the idea is that like enacting a bad dream on a really small scale kind of inoculates the power of it. Oh, that's interesting. That makes sense. But you could enact a good dream to emphasize and empower it. So if you have a dream that comes to you and you really want it to come true, the same practice of inviting your friends over and acting it out won't inoculate it. It will actually empower it. And it just comes down to your intention. Okay. That would be an interesting exercise to do. If you ever have a dream, I'm down to act it out with you. That'd be fun. Yeah. The Iroquois had a big midwinter festival of dreams. And there's a lot of shamanic cultures, you know, indigenous cultures, pre-contact cultures, whose entire spiritual foundation was built on dreams. Mm. You know, sharing your dreams first thing in the morning, how your ceremonies came to be, you know, dreams were telling you where to hunt and where to find food. Dreams were our sole source of connection with the divine. And dreams really, in essence, are gifts. But it's practice because they are so ephemeral. They disappear. They're written on water. Yeah. And I think it is a practice to start to write your dreams down. I've been seeing a Jungian dream analysis expert as my therapist for a long time. And I've gotten into the habit of writing my dreams down. But I will say, you know, he interprets my dreams from a Jungian perspective. And there's a lot of value that comes out of that. But then I take these dreams and I study them with my helping spirits. I take these dreams to the invisible world in my journeys. I journey on my dreams and I get other interpretations. I get deeper, richer meanings from them. And your dreams are these these whole novels of meaning and power and healing that are available to you. It's just that because we are so far removed from that central core of where the dream comes from, we have to do a lot of work to kind of wrap our minds and our hearts and our spirits around the information, you know? It's like getting a letter in Chinese and you've never even seen those sorts of characters before. Right. You can also dance your dream. If you can remember even just the littlest bit of a dream that you had that was beautiful or meaningful to you, you could call the spirit of that dream because remember, there's really not a big differentiation between the dream itself and the spirit that brought you the dream. Mm-hmm. Because spirits can take on so many different forms, can take on so many different costumes, you know, and you just call that dream to merge with you and you might dance that dream and get a different experience of it. You might sing that dream because we're not necessarily always going to understand our dreams in a literal, logical way. The important thing, I think, is to receive the energy of them. And I'm using the word dream But what we haven't talked about is like the word vision or the word prophecy, right? Okay. They're all the same. A daydream, a waking dream, a vision that comes to you is the same as a sleeping dream. They're all happening in the same place from a spiritual shamanic perspective. Mm. And the only difference is, is just the length of time you experience them in ordinary reality. So would you say then it's very important to pay attention to how you daydream? like what visions you're creating or co-creating on like a spiritual level? Yeah, I mean, I think it kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show about, you know, if you're always paying attention to things you're afraid of, you give that power. Right. And so I do think that when you are daydreaming or crafting visions, you want to craft visions of the things that you want because your dreams have power, your visions have power. You know, in a lot of ways, you are what you pay attention to. But I also think that we need to respect the things that come to us in dreams that are unpleasant, that are dark and dangerous, because they also have healing too. And we we need not be so quick to assume that our bad dreams are out to get us, but maybe they're trying to teach us something. Maybe they're a big dream in disguise. I had a horrible, horrible dream about like a zombification factory. Oof. And... I was so vivid. I was walking in the woods and I saw this big white kind of industrial box building. And I went in and there were all these people in almost like Scientology in like the same outfit, like blazers and things of that nature. And they showed me, they were like, oh no, we'll let you get back outside. But first you just have to like go through this like conveyor belt of things. And it was literally this like this zombification conveyor belt where they like took out your brain and they took out your soul and they took out your heart 
And then it like pumped you out into this like little village that looked like it was outside, but it wasn't actually outside. Like Toontown. Remember Toontown in Disneyland where Mm -hmm. like they had painted the big blue sky in the background. Right. And I was not a zombie. I was like walking around with all the other zombies and I was like, I know that this is not outside. Like I know that I've been had, you know? Yeah. And it was a really bad dream. I woke up and I was like, that was fucked up, you know? So did you engage with it then? No, that's it. I just wanted to share that dream. (laughs) No, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I journeyed to study this dream. And one of my like main helping spirits presented himself. And he said, oh, yeah, this is one of my dreams. It's actually one of my favorite dreams. It's a dream about capitalism and about how there's no way out of it. Once you enter into that box in the woods, there's no door in order to get out. And in the journey, he actually took me back and we got everybody out of that box Mm. and we dismantled the building and we changed the whole thing. And it turned out to be a really beautiful, really powerful experience. But had I just been like, ah, that was a bad dream. I don't want to think about it again. I never would have been able to integrate some of the teaching around like really looking at capitalism from a spiritual point of view and being like, oh yeah, this is a trap. Like once you start thinking and acting and behaving in this way, like you think you're going to get out somewhere, you think you're going to get free, you're never going to get free. Wow. Well, you were tapped into some shit because now aren't we all on some collective level having to look at capitalism from that perspective? I mean, yeah. To some degree. And so we're all, you know, helping each other out of that building and we're going to dismantle that building and then the grass is going to grow over that building and we're going to be out in nature again where we were supposed to be. Whoa. And you can journey to dreams many times and you'll continue to find new meanings around that. But you don't necessarily have to know how to journey to work with your dreams. If you can just remember a little bit of a dream, you can just close your eyes and get meditative and and call the spirit of the dream and, you know, ask, what were you about? And just really meditate and marinate on it. I think the important thing is to engage with our dreams. Right. Well, it's interesting when you say engagement, because something we haven't talked about is the whole concept of like lucid dreaming, um, which is something that I have had experience with and where you are uh, essentially really directly engaging with your dream, right? Like the whole concept is that you uh, go into your dreams and awaken to the to the idea that you are in a dream while you're in it and that you can actually sort of help create the dream as you go through it. It's like a waking dream to some degree. Um, have you had experience with those? Not really, no. What's interesting about it is the idea of trying to dissolve some of the veil right between what is our reality versus what are is the dream reality right and how do you allow yourself to because if you how do you how do you allow yourself to commingle the two in a clearer way so that when you are in your waking life you can be more connected to the idea of this is all a dream and vice versa Yeah, I had a friend who was really into lucid dreaming, and he said the number one way to practice lucid dreaming is you just have to start asking yourself many times every day, is this a dream? Yeah. Am I in a dream right now? Because if you keep asking yourself that long enough, it kind of is a question that gets like hooked in. And so the next time you're in a dream, you'll ask yourself, is this a dream? But it's a really interesting process Mm -hmm. that for like the next like 8, 12 24 months of your life every day, multiple times a day, wherever you are, you need to like be like, is this a dream? And you got to really ask that question. Yeah. And you got to look around and you got to feel and you got to be like, nope, okay, I guess this is, this is, no, this is, this is reality because maybe you'll be able to ask that question of yourself when you're in a dream and that will give you the power to lucid dream. Yeah. I just remember my strongest experience with it. And for me, what was helpful was asking that question as I was going to sleep because it was like getting that question into my head. Uh, But I do remember having an experience where I did ask myself the question successfully in a dream. And I remember pinching myself in the dream. And I was like, if I pinch myself, then wouldn't I wake up? But I didn't. And I remember pinching myself. But I remember being like, well, then fuck, I just want to fly. And I just had like the most amazing flying dream of my life because I was literally just like, on some level in control of it. And it was like such a physical experience. I remember like being able to really feel the sensation of it more than I ever had in any sort of like flying dream that I'd had before. It's beautiful. My therapist warned me about lucid dreaming. How so? He was like, why do you want a lucid dream? 
And I was like, because it would be cool. And he was like, I would just be careful about that. Like the desire to want to control, you know? Yeah, I think yeah. it's that like, this is the lucid dream that we're in right now. And we should act as if that's true. And that we are creating our reality and and operating like magicians in that way. Mm-hmm. And that when we're in our dream dreams is really like when we're being helped and guided. And we don't want to control that. Right. Because we don't know how to help ourselves, but spirit does. And maybe the dream time is the only time spirit gets to really intervene and help and direct us in the right way. Mm-hmm. I also think it's about like, are you using your dreams just to escape from your life, right? Like, oh, I want to lose a dream so I can like, you know, do whatever, you know, as opposed to using our dreams to empower our life here on this planet in this dimension, like any spiritual practice, right? Like, are we using our spiritual practices to escape from the reality? Or are we using our spiritual practices to help us engage more deeply in what we're doing here? Well, I think it depends because you use the word empower. And I do think for me at that time, I do remember there was something empowering in going into the dream and being able to have the ability to do things that like I didn't normally feel I would have the ability to do. Yeah, it sounds so, like it was a healing dream. Yeah, it wasn't so much necessarily about like being in control of the narrative as much as it was like empowering myself to be able to explore. Yeah, and I'm not knocking it for those people that do lucid dream and find it tremendously valuable. It was just something my therapist shared with me and I thought that perspective was interesting. You know, it is interesting for sure. We only have control over our little bit, you know? And I think the more that we try to control what is uncontrollable, the more we we kind of waste our energy, we spiral out. And so I wonder if lucid dreaming in a way is trying to control, like you'll never be able to control the dream time because the thing about the dream time too is that it has its own consciousness. Like not only is it inhabited by all of these different spirits and beings and past lives and different dimensions, it's so complex, we'll never be able to understand it fully. But even the the fabric of the dream time itself has a consciousness, has a divinity to it, you know? So if you're not exploring like the idea of lucid dreaming, how can you cultivate a more vivid relationship with your dreams, you think? Intention. But here are two tricks. Number one, I would get a dream stone. This can be anything, any type of crystal. doesn't matter which. Ideally a quartz, but doesn't have to be. And you set an intention into that crystal. And the way you set an intention to that crystal is you cleanse it. Cold water, moonlight, salt, sage, the basics. Blow on it. And then hold it and communicate to it and tell it that you want it to help you with your dreams. And then sleep with that crystal under your pillow, by your bed, and hold it in the morning when you're trying to remember your dreams. Okay. But if you want specific dream guidance, like if you want to dream about this or that or this or that, Write down on a piece of paper what you want that dream for. I want a dream for healing. I want a dream to tell me what to do about the house. Write it on a piece of paper. Put it under your pillow. See what happens. Like you're leaving a note for the tooth fairy. It sounds like it sounds like cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, but it's how we can shape our intention. And that's how we begin to develop relationship with the power of our dreams. Well, and that's a very shamanic perspective too, right? Because it's almost like entering into a shamanic journey experience. Well, right. And from a shamanic perspective, there's really no difference between journeys and dreams. I always say like, you know, journeys are the sisters of dreams because you're more intentionally engaging, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Like I'm taking a journey, whereas I just go to sleep and sometimes I dream and sometimes I don't, you know? Yeah. Um, But, you know, the whole time I smoked pot, I didn't have a lot of dreams. Pot really kind of kills your dreams in a lot of ways. And the more journeying I did around my relationship with pot, and this may not be ubiquitous, but, you know, pot in a lot of ways was kind of like a stand-in for my relationship with spirit. And so it doesn't surprise me that the whole time I was smoking it, I wasn't really able to be accessed in that deeper way. Yeah. And I would just leave you with this. When you wake up in the morning, when you wake up from a nap or shavasana, or even you get out of the shower, just... Open yourself up to the possibility that you are living in a dream and that anything is possible. Dreaming opens us up in ways 
where we can be accessed, where we can be more intuitive, and it's not limited to when we are asleep. I think our biggest limitation around our own psychic power and intuition and magic are the limitations that we have been brainwashed into agreeing are true. But if you could live your life as if it were a dream, perhaps all of a sudden those limitations that we've inherited would become a little bit more flimsy, flimsy enough for something magical and meaningful to enter. Well, beautiful. I'm excited to engage with my dreams tonight. Yeah, especially if you've been feeling like a tiger in a cage. Mm-hmm. I have. You know, spirit is expansive without boundaries, and it's a place we can expand into when we are feeling in, encroached upon. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, it seems like it's time for this episode's tarot card. It is. I'm just clearing the cards. I pulled the world, the high priestess, and the lovers today. Dang, girl. I know. The high priestess reversed, though, which is why I like had to do restorative yoga and breath work, and I had to journey, and it was like climbing up a hill at 10,000 feet above sea level. It was not easy, but I managed to get there. I didn't pull a card today. Well, I'll let you pull this one. I'm pulling a card now, y'all. All right, everybody. So let's just take a moment and tune in, get still, get quiet, get grounded, get open, wherever you are. And connect to the cards by hearing me shuffle them. Gonna go spread them out for Angel and let him pull one now. So Angel pulled the Four of Pentacles for us to be working with this week, or whenever it is that you're listening to this episode, knowing that this card will resonate no matter the future place or time to which you're listening to this message. And the Four of Pentacles is really about physical foundation. Fours in the tarot are foundational. Think about the four corners, the four directions, the four seasons. Four really gives us shape and structure. But the thing about the Four of Pentacles is that while a physical foundation sounds like a good thing, it's limited because a foundation is just the beginning. And what we have here is a figure with pentacles, one under each foot. He is holding another pentacle tightly in front of his heart, and he's got another pentacle sitting in his crown. And what we can see here is that he's using those coins to block some of the major chakras, the big energy centers in his body, right? We have these portals on the soles of our feet, they're blocked by the coin. His heart and even his solar plexus, and in this in this card, his throat chakra as well, blocked by the pentacle, and his crown blocked by the pentacle. So the four of pentacles really asks us to explore how we are both engaging with physical reality to get our needs met, but also not using physical reality as a blocker, making sure that we're not clinging and gripping and grasping so tightly that we can't let spirit get in. So I would just encourage you at this time to explore the dance between the physical and the spiritual and make sure that you are not gripping so tightly to physical things that you are blocking yourself off from receiving those things that are most important to you at this time. The Four of Pentacles can sometimes be like being too stingy, budgeting too extremely. And the thing about scarcity mentality is that what we pay attention to grows. So I actually oftentimes encourage people when they're feeling really scarce to actually try to practice a little bit of generosity mm. because doing that actually rewrites the energy. When you give, you are literally forcing yourself to become more open. So if you are feeling tight in a physical way, we're confined in places, we're feeling you know, our money you know, dissolving as we're not making as much or any you know, at this time, but the key is don't grip so tightly that you can't be reached. And that actually feels like the biggest message that's coming through at this time is that spirit is trying to contact each and every one of us. But spirit can only do as much to the degree that we are open. And you want to look at your life and ask yourself, how open am I really to receiving help and healing? 
to receiving messages and guidance, to receiving abundance and prosperity. We have to work to open ourselves to receive. And the Four of Pentacles is really the work required to take away those things that we think would bring us security and open up to a security that we've never even been able to comprehend. Because it's not just about having money in the bank. It's about having, like, spiritual gas in your spiritual tank. All right. Well, I was read for filth. Thank you. It wasn't just for you. It was for all of us. No, of course. We, we were all stop. read for filth. We got to stop gripping, you know? We got to yeah. try to relax and release and not be so controlling. We talked about it earlier in the show. You know, this is a time to control what you can control and then release what you can release, you know? Yeah. And where is your trust, right? Like, where we control the most is where we trust the least. Hmm. So you have to ask yourself, like, why am I controlling so much here? It's like, oh, because I don't trust it, you know? People that are really controlling in relationships, it's probably because they don't trust their partner would stay with them if they weren't so controlling or that they don't <laughs> right. love them. Or... Yeah, yeah. So just look at your whole life that way. Where am I controlling? And where is that showing me that I'm not trusting? Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you. Anytime. <laughs> Well, we are so grateful for you all uh, tuning in to us once again. We hope that we're able to bring you medicine and healing in these challenging times. And please don't hesitate to reach out to us, not just for one-on-one -on -one healing work or readings, but also let us know um, things you would like to hear episodes about. Because for the foreseeable future, it's just going to be the two of us. There ain't going to be no spirit talks because we do yeah. our spirit talks live and in person. And there is no in person at this moment, unless you'd like to do a spirit talk with Noche. Right. So maybe yeah. we'll see about getting a mic set up for him. Right. Yeah. Because I don't know how we would translate it entirely to the Zoom world. but Yeah. The quality is just not great when yeah. you do that. And Agreed. we are sticklers for quality here for y'all. <laughs> we are. But yeah, you know, uh, topics, questions, things you'd like us to explore more. Please let us know. We are here for you. Yeah, and... we haven't done a mailbag episode in a while. Oh, yeah. So it'd be fun if you guys had questions for us. We All could right. just do a whole mailbag episode. Oh, my God. I love a supersized mailbag episode. Yeah. So send us your questions. Any spiritual questions you have, thespiritualgaze at gmail.com. Put in the subject, mailbag, question. Yeah. Um, and thank you, all you beautiful, sweet, gorgeous gazers, for connecting with us and allowing us to be teachers and healers and sharers of all this beautiful spiritual knowledge yeah it's such uh, an honor to get to to share this community with you all at this time and we do really hope that you all are taking good care of yourselves inside and out um of course you can always find us at the spiritual gaze on instagram or spiritual gaze on twitter uh the spiritual gaze on facebook or uh at our website thespiritualgaze.com and like Brandon said you could also just email us at thespiritualgaze at gmail.com lots of love to you thanks for being here until next time yeah this has been your transit through the, the spiritual, spiritual gaze, gaze.